I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no-bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Enjoy this episode. Okay, so on this episode, I have Courtney Rue returning. Last time I spoke with Courtney was in October of 2015. Courtney can be seen on NBC's Chicago Med as paramedic Courtney. Her voice can be heard on spots for Jimmy Dean, McDonald's Happy Meals, and Hershey's. As a clarity coach, she helps her clients shift from stuck and unhappy to empowered and joyful. Her fun and easy approach has been described as therapy without the therapy. You can find her at Courtney Rue. Dot com, which is R-I-O-U-X, and at Courtney Rue on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but she prefers Instagram. Courtney, thanks for coming back. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So on this episode, we are going to focus on a few things. I want to talk to you about some of the stuff that you've been up to since I last talked to you. I want to talk to you about goal setting and achieving for actors because it's the beginning of a new year and it's a incredibly important thing in my opinion and if you're going to do it now's the time to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I have a story for you at the end of this that uh I'm excited. I, I've been waiting to 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 tell. <laughs> So why don't you just uh, start by talking about what you have been up to since October of 2015? Was I on Chicago Med then? I can't. Let's see. It's, I, I don't think it's so. Or may, okay. Maybe you just started. Maybe. I, so there was a whole year where I had just done one episode of Fire and it was, you know, two words and that was it. it. That was all it was supposed to be. I was a paramedic. I came in, I said, got it. I leave, you know, and that was it. And maybe I had done that at that time. I can't remember exactly when that was, but about a year later, I got just called to, and for my check avail for uh, Chicago PD and for same character, you know, paramedic number one or medic number one, EMT number one, whatever it was. And I booked that. And then Chicago Med started and that was so that was four years ago. Chicago Med is in its fourth season, fourth season. And I got a call to be, you know, again, just medic number one, come in, leave. The more meds started using me over and over again, because they need paramedics more than Chicago Fire has their two paramedics that they use all the time. They rarely need extra paramedics. But Chicago Med needs paramedics every single episode, and they're not series regulars. Um, so I just kept getting called in and called in. And then all of a sudden, one day, I had a name. I had my own name, Paramedic Courtney. And that was really fun for me. And, you know, because instead of like Medic One on the trailer, it's says Courtney on the trailer and in the script it says Courtney. And so since then it's been, I think it's been like four or five years since I started that gig. And it's just an ongoing gig I have as an actor in Chicago. I work about one or two times a month on the shows, mostly for med, sometimes for PD, sometimes for fire. I have a chair now with my name on it, which is really exciting. <laughs> and so that's been uh, mostly for my on-camera work. I did, I've done some commercials this summer. I did three commercials, which was really fun. None of them are out, which is disappointing, but I think that one of the campaigns got canned all completely. And one of the campaigns is coming out later this year. The other one, I don't know what's going on with it. So, um, that that's, that's my on-camera stuff. And then for voiceover, I had a like really great year for voiceover this year. Uh, like I said, I was on Jimmy Dean, Hershey, Happy Meal. I was on Sherwin-Williams this year, all TV spots, which uh, announcer spots, which is really amazing because before I had mostly done just radio or, you know, character-y type things and not announcer type things. So it was nice to move up to that tier to be thought of as an announcer voiceover and be on TV. Because, you know, in TV spots, you make more money than radio spots, which is also very exciting. So I've been able to put, stack some money away in my savings account. And I made more money as an actor this year than ever before. I actually hit the six figure mark this year as an actor, which was, you know, I feel like that's the dream for a lot of actors anywhere in, in the world. But I especially hear that from my clients who say they want to make a living as an actor. You know, sometimes people are like, I just, I don't care how much I make. I just want to quit my job and, and be an actor. And that's something that I've been able to do 
which has been really exciting and fun. Congratulations. Thanks. That's amazing. And you have a whole reel devoted to your, your basically your role on, on Chicago Med. Yes, that was my coach that I worked with this year, Danielle Pinnock. She's on the show Young Sheldon. She's an actor from Chicago and she moved out to LA and she's doing that show now and some other things. She's got a really funny Instagram thing that she does called hashtag booked and she makes funny videos with her friend. But anyway, she told me I should have that specific medical reel so that I can if I get called in for another doctor show or, or medical show, or my agent wants to push me for another medical show, I have all of this medical jargon that people know I can say and do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're really good on the show. Thank you. I want to talk to you about, let's focus specifically on your role on Chicago Med. And for people who don't know because they don't live in Chicago. Chicago has three shows. Chicago, well, they have more than three shows, but specifically they have Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, and Chicago PD. And they're three different shows, but they share a world. So they exist in the same world and therefore sometimes they share characters. So somebody from Chicago Med will show up on Chicago PD or any which way, any, any a combination, a lot of crossover. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we're talking about here. That's how Courtney can be on three shows as the same character. So you, you were basically hired as an extra, right? Or you were, you were hired as a, was it a co-star? It's a co-star. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it was a co-star originally. So you had a couple lines and then, and now you're basically on every episode of Chicago med. You, I think you've, you've been on like what, like 40 or 50 episodes? Yeah. yeah. Cra- that is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I, mean, I don't know if people realize how crazy that is. Yeah. You know, people are always like, when's your part going to grow? Or when, like, you know, when are you going to get more this or more that? And not that I would turn that down ever, but I think people don't realize what an incredible job that is for a Chicago actor to have that consistency And like just that, I mean, there's no certainty, right? I don't know if I'll get called. I don't have a long lasting contract. My contract is episode per episode. But to to know that I'm probably going to be in almost every single episode, whether or not I have a story arc or, you know, a love interest or whatever, I, I know that I have this job and as an actor in Chicago and make a consistent living as an actor in Chicago. And to me, that's really exciting for right now. I do, you know, James Vincent Meredith, he, he is a Steppenwolf actor and he got to play a paramedic on the show, but he was a love interest to the character Maggie, who's played by Marlene Barrett. Who's awesome. And we were talking in our chairs and he's like, no, you got the, you got that sweet gig. He's like, she's going to break up with me in the show. I'm going to leave. Like, which, you know, you were a love interest. You got broken up with, you left, right? He's like, no, you don't have a love interest. Keep that going. He's like, you got the sweet gig. I'm going to be gone in a couple months. And I was like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have the dream job. (laughs) (laughs) That is, uh, that is so cool. So I want to ask you, what do you think led to that? What were some of the factors that, that led to that? Because a lot of people get Mm co-stars, not a lot of people turn that into being on every episode. Yeah. And you know, I don't know, but I can speculate, right? Number one, it was a a paramedic role. Uh, So a paramedic role, a nurse role, a cop role, like you can come back and come back and come back. Whereas if you're the evil villain who gets locked up, you know, and sent to jail, like you may maybe not are not coming back. And you definitely can't probably cross over to one of the other shows unless your story arc, you know, goes, it has to do with the doctors on med and the cops on PD. So I think I was lucky in that the first, and that was actually my first TV role that I was ever cast in. That was actually my first TV audition that I ever had was for paramedic number one on Chicago fire. So I think I was lucky that it was a role that could cross over and that they could use over and over again. Can I just interrupt you really quick? I'm sorry, Courtney, but uh, my first co-star was paramedic number two. Ah, Nice. (laughs) That was on empire. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Empire doesn't need a lot of paramedics. I'm sure. I don't think they're on every single episode of, of the show, but right. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to, I had to say that's funny. No, number that's one, number great. Two. I love that. 
Yeah. All right. Continue. <laughs> okay. So number one, I think it's because I had a role that could cross over from episode to episode and from show to show to show. Number two, I think I show up on set. My lines are learned. You know, I'm memorized for the most part. Sometimes I mess up and I always think I'm going to get fired, but I, but I never get fired. <laughs> uh, we could talk about that in a little bit, but I have a good attitude. I you know, in the beginning, I haven't done it as much recently, but in the beginning, I sent a lot of thank you cards to everybody. I sent thank you cards to the makeup team and hair team, to the producers, to the writers, to the directors. I think thank you cards can go a long way. And I learned people's names. So I got a call sheet and I studied it and I know that, okay, camera A is Ferris. Okay. I'm going to call Ferris by his name. Okay. I'm going to thank Ferris when I leave, you know, just learn people's names, call them by their name, thank them for the work that they do. I got that advice from David Lawrence, David H. Lawrence, the 13th, I think is what he goes by professionally. He was like, every time I leave set, I'm like, thank you for making me look good. Thank you for making me sound good. Thank you for making me, you know, Whatever their job is, thank them for doing that for you because you can't have that job without them. So that's one of the things I think is I have a good attitude. I smiling on set. I am learning people's names. I'm creating relationships with people on set. And I think people like it when I'm there. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that's it. <laughs> And I think I'm good at, I think I'm good at being that paramedic role in that, like, I'm not trying to be more, I'm not trying to act like I'm a series regular or do too much with it. You know, I'm there to give that information, have an opinion about it. Sure. And leave, you know, there's something going on in my eyes, but it's not, I'm not trying to like steal a scene or overshadow any series regulars or anything like that. That is such an important point. Yeah. To not be, to understand that you are not the hot character in the scene. Right. That is so important. And that is, that's so interesting to hear all of those, those reasons. I don't doubt that at all. I know you and I know that you're just a very likable person who's got good energy. And I'm sure that that is, that plays a massive role in why they bring you back again and again and again. And why anybody gets brought back or rehired by the same production company or the same right. photographer or anything like that, that it's, it's that you bring good energy that people want to be around you. People want to be yeah. around you. And um, I just want to reiterate something that you said, um, how important names are. And mm -hmm. I know what 90% of the people who are listening to this are thinking. They're saying, I'm not good at names. Well, mm. I'm sorry. That's your fault. No, <laughs> no one is good at names. Get good at it. Get good at it. No one magically is born. Well, maybe there are some people, but basically no one is good at remembering people's names just automatically. And people say... I'm not good at names, but I'm good with faces. That's no excuse. Everyone is good with faces. That's like a built-in right. biological system that you have. Oh, totally. Yeah, everyone recognizes I faces. I feel like in normal life, I'm horrible with. I'm horrible at remembering names, but I have to work at it. I have to write their name down. I have to think about something that reminds me. Okay, her name's Amy. Okay, my high school friend's name was Amy. Like, do you know, little tricks like that to help me remember and just take notes and just when you say their name over and over again, then you, as soon as someone tells you your name, if you say, Hey, I'm Lee, I say, hi Lee. Nice to meet you. Yep. Exactly. And if I don't hear it, I say, I'm sorry. What was that? Right. Exactly. And I, repeat, and I repeat it. I'm going to show you something. They, the audience won't be able to see this, but you can see me. You see this on my phone. Can you see yeah. this? This is a uh, list. Oh, okay. This is a list of names. It's, it's in my iPhone. It's a note in my iPhone. That's great. And this is like, this says, this is for a McDonald's job. I did. This is for a Wendy's job. I did. And this is a paragraph. It says, I'll take the names out. It says, here's a name. Then it says director. Then it, here's another name. It says blonde stylist. Here's another name. Hmm. Pretty stylist. Here's another one <laughs> that says works at the front desk. Here's another one that yes, says works at the front desk is important too. For sure. I've got the chef 
in here. I've got yep. the prop people. I've got good-looking older guy who plays tennis. I've got <laughs> guy who told me about Monica Sellis. I've got yeah. so. And then if you write a thank you note to that person, you could be like, "Oh, I, I loved our conversation about Monica Sellis." Like, the, say something specific about them about your conversation so they know it's not just a generic card. Exactly. I think that Dale Carnegie said that he attributes uh, like almost all of his success to the fact that he remembers people's names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I want to ask you about the thank you cards. How do you, do you, are you emailing them? Are you sending them through the mail? What are you doing? You know, sometimes I'll hop on LinkedIn and, and thank someone right away on LinkedIn in a message and connect with them. And then if I'm really on top of my shit, I'll write a handwritten thank you card and send it to like either at you know, the Chicago Med production office at Cinespace or like to Leo Burnett um, with the person's name on it, the, the copywriter's name or the creative director's name. And then I found this thing this year that I am obsessed with. It's a little pricey, but it makes life so much easier. And also it is a digital log of who I've sent thank you cards to. It's called Punk Post. And actually, I have a coupon code. Um, if you'll give me a second, I can find that coupon code. But Punk Post is a service that they are handwritten cards written by artists and they'll draw pictures on it. And they'll like, you could say, I want cute handwriting or I want sweet handwriting or I want classic handwriting and you can give them instructions and they will like if I say thank you so much for the McDonald's happy meal spot for Hello Kitty I mean this artist drew this whole beautiful Hello Kitty drawing and it was like the most amazing thing I've ever seen and people come up to me at the next gig that I do with them and they'll they're like oh my god Courtney I have your thank you card hanging on my desk it's so beautiful it's amazing Thank you so much. And it's just another little touch. And also you have your name in front of them while they're at their desk, which right. is great. So they can right. remember you and keep you top of mind. Wow. That's, that's amazing. It's an app. So you have to use the app. I don't think you can use um, a website, but let me get this promo code here. Okay. So the promo code is RUE1, R-I-O-U-X-1. And it's good for a dollar off your second card in the app because your first one's already free. And it expires February 11th, 2019. Sweet. I'm going to check that out. That is yeah. that is something that I have neglected. I send I definitely send thank you cards to to casting directors and and my agents and stuff, but I've wondered about sending them to the producer, the director and so on, and I want to do that, but I, I never I never really knew like is that is that cool or? Yeah. I mean, I got a thank you card back from a director on Chicago Med and was like, thank you so much for your note. It was lovely working with you, you know, just short and sweet. That was really sweet. I've had directors come up to me if I've worked with them a second time and they're like, did you send me a thank you card? That was awesome. You yeah. know, people just appreciate it because not everybody takes that little step. I'm going to take that step from now on. I recommend it. <laughs> So Courtney, I want to talk to you a little bit about branding. I know that you are working on your brand. You're working on, I don't know if you'd call it rebranding, but you're building your brand. Can you just yep. talk about what you are doing? This is, let me just preface this by saying that the word branding, personal branding, I hate it, but I yes. know how important it is. And it's one of my big goals for this year. I'm finally just biting the bullet and going to, you know, really take it seriously. So can you just talk about the importance of it and what you're doing? So I don't feel like this is one of my strengths. And that is why when people ask me to help them with it, I send them to someone else. And it is why I hire other people to help me with it. Because I'm just, you know, this is why I'm not in, 
I'm in advertising for the voiceover part or for the on-camera part, but I'm not in advertising for like, let's create this commercial and let's do the art direction and let, you know, it's just not my strength. And so I have reached out this past year to Gail Rastifer has helped me with my past headshots. Tony Howell is helping me right now rebrand and do my new website and helping me with this upcoming photo shoot for my website. And together we are coming up with what Courtney Rue is, what CourtneyRue.com is, who Courtney Rue is, I should say. It, because people do have a perception of you when you walk in the room. It's a split second decision about you. And that is your brand. And you should embrace that. And also, I think you can help people, you can help tell people or help show people what you want them to see how you want them to perceive you as well. So it's like taking what you know about who you are automatically, what presence you have and what you walk in the room with. And then also just kind of fine tuning that or showing the parts that you want to show to your audience. So like Tony and I were talking about Marie Forleo, who's a life and business coach. She's amazing. She has like this perfect hair, perfect makeup, perfect, like beautifully dressed in every video that she does, every picture that she takes. He was saying that he was like, I think she's doing this like casual video blogging now because she got tired of being that person. But her brand is like, you want to be me. You want to be hot. You want to be successful. You want to be Marie Forleo. And so I think that that like I'm going to do this casual blogging, not my hair and makeup done or anything like that. Like that's not necessarily Marie Forleo's brand. And that's not what her audience signs up for because they want to be like that perfect Marie Forleo. Does that make sense? So while that other person is truly Marie, that's not her brand. And while this like perfectly makeup and hair done and beautifully dressed, like that's also Marie, but that's just the part that she's chosen to make her brand and that her audiences latch onto. So there's multiple facets of you. It's like, what part of you do you want to show to your audience and what resonates most with your audience? Right. So can you talk a little bit about what you are doing with Tony Howell, who is going to be a future guest on this show? And we're going to talk right. exclusively about branding. But if can you just talk a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah. So all Tony is doing is asking me questions so that he can get the answers out of me and he can create the brand from what is authentic to me. So there's a whole Google Doc that I filled out and it just asks like who what thought leaders are you attracted to? What actors are you attracted to? Why, you know, and he has you write down what you love about these people. And then what he does is he takes your words and he writes it about you. So if I said like, I love Oprah because she started off at her on-camera career, you know, in, I don't think she started exactly in Chicago, but like her, the beginning of her career was in Chicago and she made it in Chicago and she lived in Chicago and now she lives in Hawaii. Uh, but she had a home in Chicago for years and years and years and like was successful here. Well, Tony says, you know, I love Courtney Rue because she started in Chicago and she made it in Chicago and she lives in Chicago part-time and part-time in Hawaii. And it's like, oh yeah, that's my dream. <laughs> like, I love that. That's why I love Oprah, right? Or I love Kristen Bell because she's so authentic and funny and charming. And I love that she's married to Dak Shepard and he's so funny and cute. And they're just like, so they share all the amazing parts of their life, but they also share the struggles of their life. They share that they had troubles in their marriage and they, they see a, 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 a therapist to work on that. And, and then it's like, I love Courtney Rue because she's so authentic and funny and charming. And I love that she's married to Scott Hubbard and he's funny and charming. And, and we see the good parts of their life and we also see the, the bad parts of their life. So it's like, think about who you love and why you love them. And then you can see how that's probably because it's part of you or at least why, you, or at least what you want others to know about you and love about you. So we do that. And then we also 
looked at like, what brands do you love and why? And he had me take screenshots of pictures of brands and pictures of people. And just, we sort of cultivated this whole just pay Google document of inspiration for my own brand, for colors, for fonts, for pictures. And then does he or his team create your website or manage Mm -hmm. your website? Okay. Yes. He will create, it's a, it's a, he's doing the manual work, but it's a co-creation in that I have say in it and I give him the information of what I like and what I want to portray. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm excited about it. You should go to CourtneyRue.com. We have a little, what he calls an apartment up there while he's building my dream home. And so it's just a tiny little website that you can go to and sign up for updates and you could be the first to know about when CourtneyRue.com is live and running. I thought that was the dream home because it's very nice looking. Oh, thank you. I'll tell Tony you said that. Yeah. Wow. So that's just like a stand in for the. Yes. I need to get on my website game stat because mine is terrible. Yeah. I have someone um, designing my uh, website for my podcast right now. So Mm, awesome. I, uh, that'll be coming soon, which is exciting. Something I've been, uh, slacking on for forever. Don't never had a website, never had a website for this podcast. Well, obviously you didn't need one, but it can't hurt to have one. Definitely. So Courtney, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about something that is endlessly fascinating and exciting for me, which is the uh, topic of goals, setting Mm. and achieving goals and, um, specifically for actors, but this can be applied to anything in your life that you want to accomplish. I'm going to tell a quick story that I may have told. I probably told it sometime in the past on this podcast, but I'm not sure. So I have read and listened to dozens and dozens and dozens of success coaching books or self-help books, whatever you want to call them. Since Mm -hmm. I was in high school, I first read How to Win Friends and Influence People when I was like a freshman in high school. And since I've read it like I don't know, uh, seven, eight times, something like that. But such a good one. Incredibly important book. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think everyone should read it. And always heard about goals and always heard about the fact that you need to write down your goals. And Mm -hmm. my reaction was the same as most people's, which is I don't need to write them down. I know what they are. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I heard this over and over and over again. And every book I read that had something to do with achieving success, which is you have to write your goals down. And I was sitting at a sales job before I ever got into acting or, or modeling or this industry at all. I didn't know anybody in this industry at all, not a single person. Sitting at this terrible office job, sales job, hated it. I was in a <laughs> tiny cubicle in Brooklyn Park, which is a no offense, but a terrible suburb of, of uh, Minneapolis. <laughs> And I was in this windowless cubicle and I was listening to a book instead of doing the work I was supposed to be doing. I was listening to a book called Never Eat Alone, which is a networking yeah. book, which is another another very good book. And it got to this point where the author said um, something like, you've heard a lot about goals. Or he said something like, I'm going to start that over. And I got to this point where the author said something like, every self-help book you've ever read talks about writing down your goals. And I thought he was going to say, it's not that important. What, what All you need to do is blah, blah, blah. And then he just said, yes, they really are that important. And then he moved on. And I, uh, I turned it off and I was just like, fuck. I turned it off. I grabbed a piece of paper and I sat there and I thought, okay, I'm going to write down some goals. And this was in like December, I think, November or December of, I don't know, 2014 or something like that. And I thought, okay, what do I want to do before the end of the year? I had like a month and a half left. And I said, uh, okay, I've always wanted to run a 5K in under 20 minutes. It was just something that was just like bouncing around my head. I've been running my whole life and running 5Ks with my dad and stuff. Never even got close to under 20 minutes. My best time was like 23 minutes, which is not very Mm -hmm. fast, whatever. I never took running all that seriously, but I thought... It's fast for me. (laughs) I thought (laughs) under 20 would would be cool. And so I wrote down, uh, I wrote down at the top goals for 2014 or whatever it was, run a 5K in under 20 minutes. And then I was like, okay, what else? And I'd always thought about modeling for m- basically my whole life. And I, I never yeah. pursued it. I was always scared and shy and whatever. And so I wrote down, uh, do a professional modeling job before the end of the year. And 
then I just promptly forgot about it. Forgot I wrote them down, lost yeah. the piece of paper. And a, a few days before the end of the year, I was running and I was tracking it through GPS on my phone. And I looked at my phone and I realized that I was running faster than I, than I normally did. And I thought, mm -hmm. you know what? I could maybe do this in under 20 minutes. And so I really pushed myself and I did it in like 19 minutes and 47 seconds. Wow. And I went home and I was taking a shower and I was like, damn, like that's pretty coincidental, pretty crazy. And um, when I got out of the shower, I looked at my Facebook and there was a message from somebody who said that she got my name from somebody <laughs> else that I knew and that she had a clothing company and her budget wasn't very big, but she could offer me like $150 to be a model for, for her clothing company. Yes. And I was just stunned. <laughs> and I don't, I don't believe that, that goal, goal setting or, or writing down your goals does anything magical at all. It feels like it though. But it feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it. It feels like magic. And ever since then, I have just, I mean, I write... I have been writing down my goals every year, every month, every week since then. Yeah. And it is incredible. Don't you love the process powerful. of like looking back and crossing off and being like, yep, check, 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 did that, check, check, check. Absolutely. I was doing that right before I got on this call. Yep. Yeah. Crossing off my weekly, uh, my weekly goals. So yeah. let's talk about goals. What, what, what's your advice? What's your system? Let's talk about it. Yeah. So I have a similar story to yours in that I read a personal development book that told me to write down my goals. It's called Goals by Brian Tracy. Uh, that's what and I listen to too. Yeah. yeah. I listen yeah. to that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll try it. You say to do it every day. You say to write down 10 goals every day for three months. I'll try that. And I did. And it really, it felt like magic to, I had never booked a national commercial before. And I booked three national commercials in those three months. I got engaged, which was, a, I'd been dating Scott for three and a half years. And, um, he, I wanted to be engaged and or married. And, uh, he was kind of struggling with that a little bit. <laughs> so I just kept writing down like Scott and I are engaged by this date, blah, 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 blah. And we actually, he's not an actor, but we booked a commercial in LA together as real people who have AT&T U-verse. And when, after we auditioned for it, he thought, if we get this, I'm going to go buy a ring and, and use the money that we get for this commercial and like propose in LA. And I didn't know this. Right. But that's like, so I, I hit two birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I booked that commercial and I got engaged because of that commercial. So I have been writing down my goals ever since then. And I've been teaching people to write down their goals ever since then. I think you have to do what works for you. What works for me is I first write down my gratitude. So I write down three things I'm grateful for, because I think if you are rooted in gratitude and you are thankful for what you have right now, you will be given more. So the other day I was in Arizona and I, um, this, this guy was walking in the middle of the street begging for money. And I reached into my purse and I gave him a dollar from the car window. And he said, a dollar? And I wanted to take the dollar back, right? It's like only a dollar. Are you kidding me? It's what I had in my purse. I'm like, I, I'm not going to apologize for giving you money. If he would have been like, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this dollar. Maybe I would have scrounged around and found more in the glove compartment or something like that. You know what I mean? So I think you have to be grateful for what you have right now and view your wins right now as wins. So some people are like some, like I could even be like, Oh, it's just this small role on Chicago med. Right. It's not a big deal. It's like, it's whatever. It's just a small step in my career. Or I could be like, I am so grateful for this amazing role on Chicago Met. I get to be a working actor in Chicago and I get to work with amazing actors and directors and producers and I love it. Who do you think, which person do you think is going to get more work? Probably the person who's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Thank you for this gift versus like this little thing. It's stupid. I don't care about it. Thank you. Like, please give me more. 
so I start with gratitude and that helps me feel happier right now in the moment. And then I move on to goals and I write anywhere from, I usually try to write 10 goals when I write down my goals, but I know that's a lot for people. Some people suggest to write down three goals so that it's not so overwhelming or so that your focus isn't split. But I like to write down 10 goals because I have a lot of interests in my life. I'm a um, multi-passionate entrepreneur, an actor, I'm a coach. I write goals about travel. I write goals about my relationship with Scott. I write goals about my health. I write goals about my finances. And so for me, it's helpful to write down 10 goals, but, you know, just do what works for you. I write them down in the present tense because it's sort of an affirmation. If I say, I wish, I want in the future, I hope someday, it's not as strong as saying, I am a series regular on an NBC comedy. Like that's strong. You get you you have to put in your order to the universe. You're if you go up to a restaurant and you'd say, I'd like some food, they're gonna give you whatever they want to give you. But if you're like, um, I'd love to have a vegan burger with vegan cheese and fries and a water, they're going to give you a vegan burger with vegan cheese, fries, and a water. Like you have to put in your order. And I think I was thinking about this today. I was, I was making a grocery list and it's like, what do they say about going to the grocery store without a grocery list? What happens? You buy a bunch of shit you don't need or want. You spend a bunch of money you don't need to spend. You don't get the things you actually need. So it's sort of like writing out your grocery list and that it keeps you focused. It You get the things that you want to get or need to get. And sometimes there's a few surprises that you find while you're there and you get those too, but you're not totally off track. And so writing down your goals is like writing down your grocery list for life. It just keeps you on track. It keeps you focused. And there's brain science behind this. There's neuroscience behind this. And I read about that in Shawnee Kaur's book. I think it was Before Happiness or The Happiness Advantage. He says the human brain doesn't just take a picture of an external environment as if it's a camera. It's it's continually interpreting and processing the information it receives. And he talks about the, this article that he read, a neuroscience article, in He says that, according to this neuroscientist, Timothy Wilson, the brain receives 11 million bits of information per second from its environment, but it can only process 40 bits per second. So 11 million bits is out there. And what we're seeing is 40 bits per second. And everybody is seeing a different 40 bits per second, right? So like you're seeing a different 40 bits than I'm seeing. And we train our brain to focus on what we think about most, right? We train our brain to see what we focus on most. And so if you're focusing on all the shit that's going wrong in your life and you're focusing on all the people that you hate and you're focusing on why you're lonely and you're focusing on why you don't have an acting job and why you, um, why casting directors hate you and like that's what you're focusing on, you're telling your brain, this is important. I need to see more of this and less of that other stuff that's out there because you can't see the 11 million bits of information. So you're training your brain and you can train it in a way that's good for you. And that brings you more success and happiness and love. And, or you can do it in a way that you only see the bad shit that happens in your life. And that's why gratitude is important. And that's why goals are important. And it shows up in, you've seen it in your life. If you've ever shopped for a car. So you're shopping for a car and like, what's the, what kind of car do you have, Lee? I just bought my dad's Mini Cooper. Nice. Okay. So after you bought your dad's Mini Cooper, did you start seeing Mini Coopers all over the road? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not like there's more Mini Coopers out there that day than there were before. It's just that you trained your brain and said, Mini Coopers are important. And your brain was like, there's a Mini Cooper, there's a Mini Cooper, there's a Mini Cooper, there's a Mini Cooper. So if you train your brain to focus on your goals and your gratitude, your brain is going to say, there's an opportunity, there's an opportunity. Look, that's something to be grateful for. Oh, over there, that's something to be grateful for, right? It feels like magic, but it's actually neuroscience. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You've trained your brain to to see 
different things and you, you, you end up seeing opportunities that you mm -hmm. wouldn't normally have seen otherwise had you not trained your brain to look for those opportunities. Absolutely. And it's how you, it's the meaning that you create behind the things that happen too. So not only are you seeing those opportunities or you're meeting those people that you wouldn't have met before, but you're also, you also have to create the meaning behind the things that happen. So things can happen and they can be seen as good or bad, right? We, we put a label on them. That's good. That's bad. Well, how do you know that's good or bad? Like there's this, so there's this famous Chinese story about a man whose horse runs away and the neighbor comes and he says, oh, how unfortunate, what bad luck. And this farmer, the, the man says, good or bad, who knows? And the next day the horse came back with a herd of wild horses and, and the neighbor said, oh, how fortunate you're rich. What good luck. And the farmer again says, good or bad, who knows? And that week, the farmer's son decided to ride a wild horse and got kicked off, breaking his leg. And the neighbor consoled the farmer. Oh, I'm so sorry. What bad luck. And the farmer assured the neighbor, good or bad, who knows? So it's like every step along the way, it could be good. It could be bad. It's only the meaning that you give it. So that neighbor was giving it the meaning that, oh, this is good luck, but his kid broke his leg because of it. Or like, oh, his horse ran away. That's bad luck. Well, the horse brought back many more horses because of it. That's So that could be considered good. So everything that happens in your life, there is a choice. And you can choose to see it as good or bad, or you can choose to create the meaning behind it. And it, that also takes practice. And that also takes skill of how to do that. I think that that story is going to be very relevant when I tell you the story at the end of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I can't wait. A few things that I learned actually from Brian Tracy. I've listened or I have listened and read almost everything that Brian Tracy's ever um, created. Mm -hmm. And uh, that goals program is a great one. It's really cheesy because it's kind of mm -hmm. old. It's really like <laughs> cheesy sounding, but the information is is evergreen. It's a program or is it the book? It's the book, but on Audible, I think they call it like the ultimate goals program or oh, something. Cool. I'll have to I think, check that out. Yeah, it's but it's just the book. And if you mm -hmm. want to download that, here's a shameless plug. You can go to audibletrial.com slash action podcast and you can download it for free and get a free month or something like that. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. If you've never used Audible before, you get a free month. Right. But a couple things that you're gonna remember from that uh, from that book that taught me how to set goals. We're talking about somebody living in Minneapolis, working at a job that he hated mm -hmm. to now I live in my like dream house. I live in Chicago, which I love every day. I wake up and I love the fact that I live in Chicago. I love Chicago so much. I make a living being an actor, model, person. And that is because of goals. It yeah. is just hands down because of goals. And I can show you, I could go back through my journals and show you the exact goals that I wrote down long before I ever had them that are now just my life, right? Me too. Yeah, exactly. You're the exactly. co-creator of your life with the universe. Definitely. If you've never written down your goals before, this is how Brian Tracy teaches you to do that. He says, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Mm. That's how you are... That's, that's the best way to think about, about goals. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And once you think about that, which is difficult to do, you really have to think, sit down and think like, what, what would I do if I knew that failure was not an option? Like mm -hmm. I just knew that it, I knew I was going to succeed. What would I do? And then once you've written those down, you think what would have had to have happened in order for that to become reality? What steps would have had to, what steps would I have had to have taken what things would have had to have happened in order to achieve that. And then that becomes your blueprint. Yeah. And what I do, which is just a really simple system, is the beginning of every year, I write down goals in all the different categories of my life, personal, finance, acting, fitness, all the different categories. And I write them down and then I break it into months. So I write a, a goal for the month. What would I like to accomplish in January? And I write any number of goals, 10, 15, whatever, with check boxes next to them. And then each week I write another list of maybe 10 goals 
with checkboxes that I'm going to accomplish that week, which will get me closer to the month's goals. And those month's goals will get me closer to the year goals. Mm -hmm. And it's super simple. And when you break it down into small steps, it becomes totally achievable and not very difficult. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that you don't have to know the how. Like you, you are guessing the how and you are taking action steps towards that how. And that's really important. But that might not be the how of how your goals happen. For sure. Like something could come out of the blue, a person that you never met before you could meet or an opportunity comes up that you would never even dream of. And that's how you achieve your goal. So it's important to let go of the, like any rigidness you might have of how you're going to achieve the goal or even that you're going to achieve it because it could show up in a different way in your life, something that you didn't think was possible or something that you had never dreamed of that also gets you to that end point. Does absolutely. That make sense? No, absolutely. When I wanted to get represented in Chicago, I was living in Minneapolis and I wrote down a goal, be represented in Chicago. And I thought the way that I was going to do that is I was going to research the agencies and I was going to send out my headshot and resume and they were mm -hmm. going to, a few of them were going to get back to me and then I was going to pick which one was the best one and, and then I was going to be done. I yeah, sent out mostly what happens, right? Definitely. And I sent out packages to all of them and I didn't hear back from a single one. Mm -hmm. And I was on a shoot in Minneapolis, which um, had hired some some guys from Chicago and I overheard them talking about an agent with a uh, with an agency, the agency that I'm now with, and remembered the name, went home, found his contact information, sent him an email directly, and said, I heard you were a great agent. I was just on a shoot in Minneapolis with some of your guys. I'd love to meet with you. And he said, next time you're in Chicago, meet with me. I planned a trip, went down, and got represented. Yeah. But if you were so focused on, okay, I have to be doing this. I have to be submitting these headshots and I have to be getting called in for these interviews. You might not have heard that, overheard that conversation that was happening a foot away from you. Right. Exactly. And had I not written that goal down to be represented in Chicago, I would not have recognized that opportunity. I would mm -hmm. not have overheard that. And even if I had overheard it, I wouldn't have done anything about it. Yeah. So it all started with the goal. It all started with the, the writing down of that goal. Mm -hmm. Right. I also find that as I look back, because I review my year every year, and sometimes I review past years even before that, and I find that I get more courageous in writing down my goals every year. The bigger that I, the bigger goals that I achieve, the more courageous I am in writing down my goals. So, in starting out, I might have only said like, "Oh, I saved ten thousand dollars." in my savings account this year. And, you know, last year I wrote down, I saved $80,000 in my savings account because I'm just like, you know what, when I write this down, it happens. So I might as well write down bigger and better things that mm -hmm. I actually want. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. That definitely happened with me as well. You just, when those things happen, you just get used to the fact that what you write down is Probably, probably going to happen. happen. It's sometimes probably it going to happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes 10 years. Sometimes mm -hmm. it, it, it never happens. Right. And that's okay too. It's not 100% foolproof, mm -hmm. but most of the time for most of the goals, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. If you want did did you read about the study? I'm sure you read about this in Brian Tracy's book. He writes about Gail Matthews and this study that was done there was like a fake Harvard or Yale study that was going around about Yale business students writing down their goals. Yep. And, but it actually didn't happen. But Dr. Gail Matthews of the Dominican University actually did this study about goals. And what she found was she had five different groups. And group one was all asked to think about, just think about business-related goals they hope to accomplish in this like four-week block. And then groups two through five were asked to write down their goals with the same sort of criteria as group one was, but they actually wrote them down instead of just thinking about them. And then group three went a little bit farther than writing down their goals. And they wrote down commitment, like action commitments to their goals. And then group five went even further by sending a weekly progress report to their friends. And the results of this, there were 
267 participants, 149 actually completed the study. At the end of the study, 43% of group one either accomplished their goals or were at least halfway there, which is great. They All they did was think about them, right? But 62% of group four, which was the ones who wrote down their goals and wrote action steps to it, they accomplished their goals Um, 62% of them accomplished their goals or were at least halfway there. And then in group five, where they had an accountability buddy, 76% of those in group five either accomplished their goals or were either halfway there. So there are steps you can take. Writing down your goals is important. Also writing down, like you said, Lee, those like action steps you can take, whether or not that's the exact action steps that gets you there, it's still moving you forward in the direction of your goals. And then to share it with a friend, a trusting friend, who's not going to be like, oh, that's not possible, right? You, you want to be sure that you can have a friend who has faith and believes in you and encourages you, not someone, you don't want to just tell your goals to anybody who might say like, oh, you're, you're, it's a pipe dream. Like you should just go back to working in the nine to five job that you have, (laughs) but share it with a trusting friend. And that gets you even more chances of achieving those goals. Yeah. I believe it. I should do that. I don't, I don't really do that, but I'm going to do that. Mm. So Courtney, we are coming up on uh, the end of this, but I I do want to tell you a story. Mm -hmm. And I want to preface it by saying that I work on gratitude. Gratitude, the development of the skill of being grateful is a really high priority of mine. And I've I've made a lot of progress. I, I consider myself quite grateful. I'm quite good at it and I'm getting better. I, I, I just realize how incredibly important that is. Probably the <laughs> most, like it might be the most important thing in life. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And so I am, I'm very grateful. I have a, uh, I'm super happy with my career and the way it's going and I'm super happy with life and things are, are good for me. So I'm going to preface it by saying that. <laughs> but, <Okay>. but, <laughs> This story starts back right before I moved to Chicago. So it was about five and a half years ago. I was still living in Minneapolis, but I was represented by my agency here. I had just gotten represented. So I got a call from my agent and she said, uh, would you like to be an extra tomorrow? Um, I was in the union, so this was a SAG union job. Would you like to be an extra tomorrow, Saturday, uh, in Chicago? And this was Friday night at the time. So it meant that I was going to have to drive overnight. And mm-hmm. as an extra, uh, the day rate for SAG is somewhere around $350. But on weekends, you get double scale. So it's yeah. like it was going to be like 700 bucks say for the day and i thought um okay but i have to drive overnight which is like seven hours overnight i'd have to get a hotel room so i said you know what thank you so much but i don't think i can do it she said totally fine don't worry about it and uh we got off the phone and then she called me back and she said they will offer you both days so you can work saturday and sunday so that would be like 1400 bucks okay so i said Okay, let's do it. And I got in my car and I drove overnight, seven hours. It sucked. And (laughs) got this little crappy hotel room and I got there with just enough time to like drop my bags off and then drive downtown to this shoot. And I got to the shoot and I was like kind of cranky already because I hadn't slept. And sometimes when you're when you're an extra on a shoot, you're you're the lowest on the totem pole and uh, not always, but sometimes you feel that like you can you get treated like that. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, background is so important. You can't have the shoot without them. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there was a day when the background actors of Chicago med got the wrong call. Like it was later than they were supposed to be. And we, no one could start without them. Right. No, there wasn't a hospital. Exactly. So a lot of times you get treated, you get treated well, but, but sometimes you do not get treated well. And this was (laughs) one of those times where the person that I, or, initially dealt with who was dealing with uh, handing out the paperwork was not in a particularly good mood and I was not in a particularly good mood. So the person handed me the uh, the paperwork and said, go fill this out and kind of rudely or whatever. And I took it and I went and sat down and started to fill it out. And about a minute later, somebody said, okay, we need everybody into this other room and uh, line up against the wall. And I assumed that it was for wardrobe because that's often what will happen. You line up with the wardrobe that you 
brought and one by one the uh, the wardrobe stylist will look through your things and decide what you're going to wear as an extra. And I remember very specifically thinking, look, you just asked me to sit down to do this paperwork. I'm going to do this paperwork and then I'll go in the other room. I'm sure it's not like I'll just go to the end of the line. I'm sure I'll be waiting in line for a really long time. And so that's what I did. And a couple minutes later, I finished my paperwork and I went and I went into the other room where everyone was standing, uh, standing in this line. What I saw was there was a line of people against the wall with about three people that were stepped out from the wall. And the producer had just gotten done walking down along this, this row of people. And I looked and I was like, oh shit, they just picked principles. And if you don't know, in the union, sometimes in like for union commercials, they will take extras and upgrade them to principals, which means that you get paid a much higher day rate and you get residuals, which means that you get paid every time the commercial plays. It's a massive difference in pay if the commercial airs. So I was like, oh shit, they just picked principals. But you know, I was like, well, maybe they didn't. I don't know. It turns out that they did pick principals. So I was like, oh, like I just missed it. Like all I had to do was just go and stand in that line and stop yeah. being a dickhead and just <laughs> bite the bullet and go and stand in the line. But I was like, you know what? There's a lot of people. Like what are the chances that I would have been one of those three people that they picked? There was a ton of people there. And so we did this shoot, right? And then the next day I was back. Uh, I was back for the shoot again. And that same producer uh, saw me. He walked by me and he goes, Oh, I could have used you yesterday. And I was like, I was like, Oh no. And I was like, man, I was there. And he was like, no, you weren't because I, I was looking for someone exactly like you. Oh man. And I just, I was like, fuck. So now I know that I would have been picked. I mean, he was, he was adamant. He was like, I was looking for someone exactly like you. I would have seen you. So I was like, okay, well, that sucks. That's tough. That's That's tough. So I was like, whatever, you know, I just moved on, whatever. But I only saw the commercial once. Okay. So it did air. So I'm like, okay, well now I, I would have been getting residuals. I would have been getting residuals, and and the the part that that I was going to be upgraded to, I knew exactly what it was going to, what the part was going to be, and that part was shown. So that person was not cut out, right? So I would have gotten residuals, but whatever. I only saw it once, and like years went by, and I never saw it again. Yeah. And last year, I was on a shoot, and I was talking to some some actors, and that. Uh, we were talking about that that job, the job that was like five years ago. And this friend of mine, this other actor goes, you know, the people who were in that commercial, the principals in that commercial made so much money. Mm. He said that he had a friend who was one of those three people. And she just, he didn't know how much, but she just made a ridiculous amount of money from it. And I was yeah. just like, fuck. So then like a month after that, I was in my agency and that commercial came up again. And I said, uh, I should have been one of those principals, but I was, you know, I was cranky and I didn't Mm. do what I was supposed to do. And she said, that commercial has been playing overseas ever since. Mm. And still is. It's still, (laughs) she said that 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 commercial has been renegotiated so many times that it went down in like Chicago commercial lore Mm. as a commercial where those principals made uh, so much money. And I said, we're talking about this commercial, right? Like specifically this scene. And she said, yeah, yeah, that's it. And I said, how much? Like approximately. Just give me like a a ballpark. And she said, conservatively, like 300 grand. (laughs) And and counting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a way for you to look at it. Okay. If that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So Byron Katie talks about loving what is. And if you look at something and you say, I should have done that, or I like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be right now in my career, or I'm not making as much money as I should be making. You're not loving what is. And she says, pain is suffering. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is not. So like that's painful, right? To know like, oh, maybe I could have made like $300,000 in counting on that commercial. Like that's painful. If you stew on it, if you make it anything more than what it is, if you 
beat yourself up about it, you know, like that's going to cause suffering. If you think I should have been in that commercial and you're not, you are not honoring what is and you aren't going to suffer. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because what she says is if it was supposed to be, it would have been. Like if you were supposed to be in that commercial, you would have been in that commercial as a principal. If it really was, right? And I think you can just like, the best stories are when the main character learns something and changes, right? Something shitty happens to them and they learn something from it and they change. And so like, how can we end the story in a way that's redeeming for you, the main character of this story? You know, what did you learn from this? What have you done differently since then? While I always make sure that I am available to be upgraded, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, that's for sure. That's a very specific change. Like I am always there. My ears are always open. I am always looking to see like, are they picking principles? Are they looking for a principle? Do they need a principle right here? And if so, I am there. I am ready. I am like there for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And has that worked in your favor since then? No. Not not yeah. once. It, not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. I've never been upgraded to a principal. <laughs> yet. Right. Like I said, I'm definitely like very grateful for what I have. And I do think, I always think that it's best to not, it's best to not wish for things to have been different because you never really know what mm -hmm. that would have led to. And I, the way I do look at it now is that I figured out that that, if I had booked that, that would have like, that would have paid my rent for the last five years and given me like, a thought like uh like fifteen hundred dollars extra a month for the last five years I think uh, something yeah. like that which is a tough pill to swallow but that very likely would have allowed me to rest on my laurels and not yeah. go to class and not hustle the way that I have which has caused me to learn an incredible amount of about about the art of acting and. I probably wouldn't have started this podcast. Mm -hmm. All these other things probably wouldn't have happened. I, I might not even live in Chicago. I probably would have moved to LA, yeah. which I don't think I would have been happy there. So I, I, do, I do try to look at the bright side, but I just think that that's an interesting, it's interesting because in this industry, we, we're all kind of gambling, right? We're, we're all gamblers in a way because we're going to these auditions knowing that there's a very small percentage that we're going to book whatever we're auditioning for. You're not going to get the fucking job. You're not going to get the fucking job, <laughs> Michael Kostroff. Yeah. But often we don't realize what could have been. We don't know. We don't know how close mm -hmm. we were. You know, maybe it was down to us and, and one other person for a, for a role, but we don't yeah. often know that, you know, or maybe it came down to this one little decision, but we don't usually know that. I know. Yeah. I know yeah. it. That's true. And the, and the way that you can twist that and see that differently. So are you willing to see that differently? Yeah. That's the first step, right? What positive thing like can you get from that, from that knowledge? What knowing that, that you were, that you could have been that, that you were close to that, what can that give you in terms of like a gift for future Lee? It can make me realize that, it can make me realize that I may not realize how close I am to booking mm. things like mm -hmm. maybe, you know, may, yeah. I mean, it could, it could make me, it could make me realize how close I am to booking things. And then it really comes down to very small decisions. And that if I go in and I do an audition and I don't get it, I, to not blame myself or my skills or something mm -hmm. like that, that maybe it's something that's, that's just out of my control. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that it's possible for you to get upgraded or it's possible for you to be principal in that right. in a commercial that plays for five years that makes 300 grand that like, that is a possibility for you mm -hmm. and more. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. <laughs> so letting go of the notion that it should have been yours, because if it should have been yours, it would have been yours. Even though the director said, oh, I could have used you. Who knows? Maybe yesterday, the day, the day before that you were talking about, maybe he wouldn't have seen you in that light anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Do you know what right. I mean? Just because someone says something doesn't mean that that is actually what would have happened. 
Right. It's also possible that he didn't have the final decision. I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure it was a committee of, of people that was making that decision, the director, the client. The, the client. Yeah. yeah. The client makes the final decision and they could have been like, no, we want that other guy. So it could have been like, oh, I was so close. Right. So you don't know, had you been there in the right place at the right time, would you have even been the final choice? You could have been the final choice and got cut out of the commercial, even though that other guy didn't get cut out of the commercial. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So There is no certainty in anything. And if you can just let go of that idea of like, I should have been, you will be much happier. And I think if you can just like make the, create the meaning that you learned a really valuable lesson and you have hustled your ass off and you have become a better actor in the last five years because you didn't have it easy, as easy as you maybe could have, right? Like, I, to me, that seems like a happier, happier version of the story for you. Like that's a version that you can grow and learn from instead of suffering. I agree. I agree. So Courtney, where would you like people to find you? We said it at the beginning of the episode, but let's reiterate. Yeah. I love Instagram. Instagram's my jam. I love the stories and the feed and I'm, I'm pretty active on there. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook, but I'm a little less active on there and you can find me. You can sign up for updates at CourtneyRue.com. I'll be giving updates about coaching workshops and my upcoming book that should be coming out this year. I have to set some goals on that, you know, get a publisher or self-publish. I have to make a decision on that and come up with a name for a book, which is like the pressure is high on that. (laughs) And I'll be giving acting updates there as well. If you're interested in following me as an actor and just keep in touch. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what your goals are, what you're struggling with. And if I can help in any way, I would love to be able to do that. And, uh, it's CourtneyRue.com and you're mm-hmm. Courtney Rue on the social medias. I am Courtney Rue on the social medias and it's spelled R I O U X. And I always say it's like an I O U with a prescription on the outside. So the R X on the outside, the I O U on the inside. That's pretty good. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. Courtney, I want to thank you for coming back on the show and uh, I hope you'll come back again. I have one last question for you. Sure. Courtney Rue, what do you know for sure? <laughs> Can I say three things I know for sure? Go ahead. One is that certainty is an illusion. So if you're making decisions based on certainty in your life of like, oh, I need this full-time job because it's certain, that full-time job can go away at any second. And so don't live your life based on the fact that there's certainty in something. Number two is that you are more powerful than you can ever imagine. And so put that order into the universe. Let the universe know what you want. And there's a reason that you have that little spark inside you. Lee, there's a reason that you had a spark inside you to be a model before you became a model. Like this is what you're supposed to be doing. And number three is that everything you think you lack is within you. So if you are looking for money, give some money away. If you are looking for appreciation, give appreciation away. If you are looking for friendship, go out there and be a good friend to somebody. Whatever you have is within you. And when you give it away, it's it's reciprocal. And not only will you get it back, but you'll also feel the same thing that you were looking for by giving it away than you do by taking it. If you like this podcast, please go to your podcast app, scroll down, and give me a rating or a review. I'm Lee Foster. Thank you for listening.